All right. In Luke 3.22, Jesus goes out to be baptized. And he is baptized and he comes up out of the water. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So all four of the Gospels, as you look through, and I looked at different translations, and I looked, they all say like a dove or as a dove. The Holy Spirit was not a dove. So, but what was it? Well, Luke give, is always the most analytical, and that's why I picked it from Luke, but all the Gospels talk about it. But when Jesus came out of the water, something came down upon him the way a dove comes down. And it rested on him. Something visible, something that people saw came down on him and rested on him. We don't know what it is, right? It was the Holy Spirit. We know that much. But to know what it looked like or how it moved or, or, or anything like that, the only way they could describe it was it was like a dove coming down. So what does this do for us? It's a totally great reminder. Whenever you see a bird land, you can think of the Holy Spirit. And you can think, wow, that is how the Holy Spirit, like just, just like that visual, actual happening, that's how the, they saw the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus. Lord, do that to my family. Do that to me. Come down upon us. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to see that. We want that. We want the Holy Spirit on us like a dove is on us. Right? Like I said, we're going to go through a whole bunch of different things. We're all going to be all over the place. What does the Holy Spirit do? So the Holy Spirit has done different things through the scriptures. And it's really, it's really neat to look at what these things are. Because sometimes people will, they'll, they'll hope for something, right? I've told you how distracted I am every time I drive by the lottery, the lottery billboard. And I see what the number is. I'm like, $400 million. What is that? And for about a mile and a half, I don't even pay attention to my driving because I'm doing math in my head of, oh my gosh, that's such a ridiculous amount of money. Like how, and if they have that much money, that means that 400 million, no, 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 it's half. So 800 million people lost. So there's 800 million people that have lost, I don't know if it's a dollar or $2 or whatever it is, 800 million people have paid a dollar to lose and ah, that billboard does something to me every time I drive by it. it. It affects my thoughts. It affects everything. The Holy Spirit does more than that. It doesn't just distract us. It doesn't just take our mind away to think about things. It does an, an inner thing spiritually. So, of course, this is Pentecost. We are celebrating in Acts 2 when the first it wasn't the first Pentecost because Pentecost was already a Jewish holiday. But this is the Pentecost after Jesus had died. He rose from the dead. He walked around for 40 days. He ascended to his throne in heaven, which doesn't mean necessarily that he flew up into the air, but he took his position. For 10 days, nothing happened. 
because Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And then this happened. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven, so not necessarily up in the sky, but just anywhere in the air, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Just a sound of wind blowing. And this will be really weird because we got to think about this. Every time I think of wind blowing, I think of a fan. I think of a leaf blower. I think of a something making that noise. Just think of a windy day, right? Because they didn't have electricity. They didn't have fans. Only time they felt wind was when it was natural and it was happening and it was something was going on. So there's the sound of a mighty wind. It filled the entire house and divided tongues like fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Same word as the thing that fell on them as the Spirit gave them utterance. So huge wind. These things that are like fire, but they're not fire. The word is glossa, which could mean languages or tongues, like the thing in your head. Rested on everybody, and then they spoke in different languages. I mean, the, the second one, you, can, you can't say they spoke in different right? They spoke in different languages because the physical thing doesn't make any sense there. The Holy Spirit showed up and all of a sudden was on them like a fire is on. So think about what a fire is like. You can feel it. You can see it. It doesn't really have mass. You can't grab it, but it's a thing, right? It's a real, it's a tangible thing but you can feel it if you're close to it. And it was on everybody and all of a sudden they could speak in all different languages. They spoke in these languages, they said things. People on the street heard them because it was really crowded and there were people all over the place. It was just, it was probably the biggest. Um, there were a couple different feasts where everybody had to come to Jerusalem and represented from every house. And some of them they couldn't make, you know, Passover. It's in the spring and, and the crops are still starting and, and the weather isn't really good. Pentecost, everybody came for it. The weather was good. The harvest was done for a while. And it was always the, the most, the most crowded of the festivals. They hear it. This is Acts 2, verses 7 and 8. They were amazed and astonished, saying, aren't all these guys that are speaking from Galilee? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? We can hear exactly what, what they're saying in our own language. And I could talk for like three sermons on tongues and Pentecost and all of that. But we know just from this that the Holy Spirit was there. It went on to everyone and it gave them a, an ability to say things we don't know if they knew what they were saying or not. It doesn't say. So they may have, they may not have, 
So we don't want to make an assumption either way. But other people that didn't know that language understood what they said. Wow. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in another country where I did not know the language and I really wanted to say something. And I said, God, please, right now, do some Acts 2 tongues business on me and give me the language. And I tried to talk to the people and they had no idea what I was saying. And it did not work. I also have a friend who was in uh, another country and he prayed and the person, he prayed in English and the person heard him pray in their native language. And so at the end of the prayer, they said amen and they knew everything that he prayed for and they completely understood it. So before we get more into what the Holy Spirit does, I want to veer off a little bit down the side road of some of the nature of the Holy Spirit. Because it, sometimes you can hear these things about the Holy Spirit and people say, I just couldn't control myself. I didn't know what I was saying. I just, I don't know what took over. And I want to debunk some of that nonsense. So the Holy Spirit is not weak, but the Holy Spirit will always yield to your flesh. So that sounds terrible, right? Because <laughs> I want my flesh to yield to the Holy Spirit. I want my flesh to do what the Holy Spirit wants. But the Holy Spirit is not going to force me. The Holy Spirit is not going to force me to do anything. The Holy Spirit is a whisperer, not a shouter. The Holy Spirit is a nudger, not a kicker, okay? In 1 Thessalonians 5, so there's a couple sections where Paul gives recommendations about the Holy Spirit, and he does it grouped with a whole bunch of things, and those are all the same advice in one group. So you can take one verse, but it's better to take the two or three verses ahead of it and behind it too. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, he's at the very end, he's giving these these exhortations do this do this do this rejoice always pray without ceasing you see how those go together how am i going to pray without ceasing well if i'm always rejoicing then i'm always praying rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances this is the will of god in christ jesus for you do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecies but test everything, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. Did you catch in the middle there? He said, do not quench the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit could be doing something in my life, and I could, ah, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. And the Holy Spirit won't strike me dead. The Holy Spirit won't, you know, throw me into blindness or something to, to make me do the Holy Spirit's will. I can actually quench the Holy Spirit. And the way you don't do that is by rejoicing, pray without ceasing, giving thanks, right? He gives that whole list. Here's all the things. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. In Ephesians 4, the Holy Spirit sounds even weaker, if I can say such a thing. 
Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor. Do honest work with your hands. Paul's given this really practical, you know, rubber meets the road advice. Quit stealing. Work. Work with your hands. Share your stuff. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good for building up. Whatever fits the occasion, so it'll give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. So again, he gives this instruction in the middle. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for redemption. Well, how do I do that? Well, look at everything around it. Don't slander. Don't argue. Get rid of bitterness. Be kind to each other. Forgive one another. So you can can quench the Holy Spirit and shut it off. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. I can make the Holy Spirit sad with my malice and my anger. So if the Holy Spirit comes down like fire drops on people, lets these guys speak in another language. They had a choice of whether or not to do that. They weren't an out of control in an out of control trance. So there's a thing that was popular in Paul's day. It was popular in Saul's day, like King Saul, where people would pray and enter into a trance out of control and talk and say a whole bunch of stuff. And people would be like, Ooh, that person, they know. And they would revere them. And were they speaking with demons? We don't know. But they would speak this out of control trance talk. They might have all been faking it. There's a reference that will come up here in a minute. It could have been from drugs. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit leaves you in complete control of everything that he wants to do through you. So there's no, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) Paul told Timothy, God didn't give us a a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. One of the key aspects of the Holy Spirit is that you are in control of it. That also, there's another little blip in there. By God, but don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. To be sealed means to be shut up or closed, but it also means to be marked. You've got something on you. You've got something put on you to mark you, to label you for redemption. And that's the Holy Spirit. All right, so of course, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit and what He does in us, we have to go to Galatians 5. This is the fruits of the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So in the Old Testament, people had faith and they expressed their faith by obeying the law. Jesus fulfilled that law. So the fulfillment of us expressing our faith is now just faith. We just have faith in him and that's how we express it. And we live by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit directs us and guides us. We're free from the law. We're not under any law anymore. So if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The works of the flesh are obvious. And he gives a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, 
dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean if you did one of those once, you're doomed? No, we're going to talk about that in a minute, too. The works of the flesh are obvious. It says it right there. That is so comforting for me because sometimes when I have a decision to make or when I have to choose this or that and I say, why am I making this decision? What am I afraid of? Am I making this decision out of fear? Because if I'm making the decision out of fear, it's my flesh making the decision, not the Holy Spirit. If I'm making this decision out of impurity or sensuality, the word sorcery in this list is we get the same word pharmacy and pharmaceuticals from that word sorcery because people would drug people and then have their trances and have their things. This strife and jealousy is all about division and picking sides and dit, 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 you, 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 us, 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 them, them, them. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. That is not a work of the Holy Spirit. But he tells us what the work of the Holy Spirit is. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I, I have seen people in the last week stand up for whatever cause they want to stand up for. And they violate some of these. And as soon as they violate kindness or gentleness or goodness, I can say, you know what? That might be a good cause, but that person is not acting by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to participate in that. Now, what that ends up in is you don't want to participate in a whole lot of things because <laughs> there's a whole lot of flesh. There's a whole lot of strife, enmity, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, divisions, di dissensions. But I'll tell you what, if you walk with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control will show loud to the people who are open to it the most. All right, I got two more. You ready? I got two and a fourth more. Let's talk about gifts from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. There are spiritual gifts. These are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, that we receive by the Holy Spirit. And most of them can be completely 100% faked in your flesh. And this is what was also happening in the Corinthian church. So there's a whole bunch about spiritual gifts in the Holy Spirit in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Listen to this. This is in 1st Corinthians 12. The Corinthian church was all about the spiritual gifts. They were just, that was their thing. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is cursed 
And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. All right. Nobody with the Holy Spirit can say Jesus is cursed. But I just said that, and I'm just reading this, right? Do you see that there's more than just the literal word here? It's nobody in their heart and soul, deep down, can say that if they have the Holy Spirit. And the only way that someone can really say, wow, Jesus Christ, he is Lord. He rules over all. If anyone can say that and mean it in their heart and soul, that is a gift of God. That is the Holy Spirit empowering them to do that. I know some people that were Christians, that were pastors, and now they have thrown all of Christianity away and they don't want to do it and they're doing their own thing. And I have talked with this guy and I've pushed him a little bit and I could not get him to say anything bad about Jesus. And that makes me, and I didn't tell it to him because it would just make him mad. But in Romans, it said God's gift and his call are irrevocable. And I think that guy, as rebellious as he is, as angry as he is at church people and the church and everything that happened to him, I think deep down heart and soul, the Holy Spirit is in there and the Holy Spirit won't let him curse Jesus because he can't. Because he's not really mad at Jesus when he gets, when, when I start talking to him and I get everything, oh, this and my ex-wife and the church and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not Jesus you're mad at, dude, right? There are varieties of gifts. This is so, this whole section is so critical. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. The Holy Spirit works through each one of us in a completely different way. Praise God. If we all let the Holy Spirit work through us and it all had to be exactly the same way that Cindy Sullivan did it, we would all be super fat with cookies. We would be miserable. This is how the Holy Spirit works in all people. If you can't make awesome chocolate chip cookies, you're not a Christian. It sounds ridiculous, but whenever we look at some Christian organization and we're like, they're nuts. That, that's not... Whatever they're doing, that's not the right thing. No. The Holy Spirit works through us in different ways. And as long as, see earlier list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. That's how the Holy Spirit is showing. Now, if they're a Christian organization and they're not showing love and joy and peace and patience, then the Bible is showing you that they, that is not being led by the Holy Spirit. They can say they're Christians. They can say they're for, they're for God and whatever. But they're not, if they're not showing the spiritual, the fruits of the Spirit, they're not. To each of us is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Isn't that awesome? To each one of us is given the Holy Spirit for our common good. It's for the common good of everybody. To each one of us is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge. 
according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. Have you ever met somebody that had so much faith? You were like, wow, that person, like, I, I just want them to put their hand on me and pray for me that I would have faith like them. That's what this is talking about. All of us have faith. But there are some people that have a spiritual giftedness of faith that's just beyond, beyond normal, right? To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Every one of us can pray for God to do healing, but there are, there are some times where there are some people where they something is going on with the Holy Spirit and their prayers are getting answered differently for healings. It's true. Another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. What's so exciting to me that that gets mentioned in there is that nobody can tell me you're only a Christian if you speak in tongues. This was a big movement through the early 1900s and it caught on through the 60s and 70s. And there's a whole denomination that defines itself by that. That you have to speak in tongues to be saved. You can't use that logic. Otherwise, you have to be able to heal people in order to be a Christian. You have to be able to work miracles. You have to prophesy everything else in this list. Does that mean it's bad? No, it's not bad at all. But as soon as we turn any of these things into a must in order to be a Christian, or even to water it down, say to live a better Christian life, you have to do one of these things, that's hogwash. These are all gifts. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so all different people get these, and we're all empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God decides who gets these. I have a buddy, he prayed forever to have the power to raise people from the dead. He even went to the conference to learn how to raise people from the dead. And I said, dude, that is awesome. So do you go to funerals? He said, no way, dude. It's like, come on, man. You go to basketball camp, you go home and you get your basketball and you go out in your backyard and you play basketball. You go to bring people back from the dead camp, you better go to some funerals. It's God who apportions all of these things as he wills. And so there's a negative way to look at that, that you might not get it, but I want to look at the positive way. You better watch out and be open and be ready for the Holy Spirit because he might give you some of these gifts. All right, I got two more and then we're done. The sin against the Holy Spirit, the sin that'll never be forgiven, right? We got to talk about that one. Jesus says there's all sin that will be, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, every, this is in Matthew 12, 13. No, 12, 31. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Everyone. But the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And a whole people, bunch of people read that. Oh, the very next verse. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And people think, 
I said something against the Holy Spirit once. And so now I can never be forgiven and I'm on my way to hell. Or people think that guy sinned against the Holy Spirit and he's just doomed from now on. In the context of all of this, it's about they're saying that Jesus is empowered by the devil to cast out demons. And he says, no, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm not empowered by the devil. And if you sin against the Holy Spirit and you don't believe that I was sent by God. Then you're sinning against the Holy Spirit. So it's a it's a it's a sin of faith. If you have faith that Jesus was sent. If you have faith that Jesus was the son of God, then every sin will be forgiven. And if you don't believe that Jesus was the son of God, that was sinless, sent by him, died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. If you don't believe that, that is the sin against the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want to make it sound dumb, but basically Jesus is saying the only sin that isn't forgiven is not believing that Jesus has forgiven your sins. And if you don't believe that Jesus has forgiven your sins, it's the only thing in the universe that's true if you believe it. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then he did. And you're counted in that number. And you're credited with righteousness. And you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So this is the, I said two and a quarter things, the little last thing. So how do you get the Holy Spirit? And I think I just answered it. Right? Ephesians 1.13 In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. When you believed, you were sealed with the whole promised Holy Spirit. And so when you believe that Jesus Christ was sent by God, died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, you've just now not committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. That's the only sin that won't be forgiven. You've believed and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So every one of your sins is forgiven. And with the Holy Spirit, you don't get a part of the Holy Spirit. You don't get a piece of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit isn't matter. He's not substance that I can only cut up a certain portion and hand it out. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, all, I wish I could say this and like make the whole room shake. All of the Holy Spirit is there. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, the whole fullness of God is there. There is no part. There is no peace. There is no little glimmer. And so... Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit and not quench the Holy Spirit. Let us unleash the Holy Spirit who is in us by faith to do all of the works that he wants to do. Let's just give him free reign. Lord, do it. We praise you. We could say send your Holy Spirit and we do kind of customarily when we light that candle and 
And we even pray it now, but we praise you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here in us fully. And we pray even more than praying that your Holy Spirit would come. We pray that we would get out of the way and that we would not quench you and that we would not grieve you and that we would just unleash you. Be unleashed in our hearts and souls first and overflow to everybody we come in contact with. We praise you and we thank you by your grace that you do all of this apart from our works and apart from our accomplishments, but you do it just out of your love. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. All right. Let's stand and sing number 485 together.